I'd like to welcome you to today's August Ask the Expert call. Now, without any further delay, I'd like to introduce today's host, David Molman with Align Technology. David, you now have the floor. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, The Magic Hat, Treatment Planning Restorative Cases Involving Invisalign with Dr. Brian Gray. You'll learn two C hours for attending today's program, and we will receive important instructions on how to obtain your C certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign doctor site account. Please note you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you'll have the opportunity to ask text questions, which are presentable or answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance for unable to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Education tab at your Invisalign doctor site where you may also access archive versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dr. Brian Gray. Dr. Brian Gray is a 1986 graduate of Georgetown University School of Dentistry. He's a master in LLSR in the Academy of General Dentistry and a fellow in the International Congress of Oral, Oral Implantologists, International College of Dentists, and Academy of Dentistry International. The American Dental Association appointed him as one of two practicing GPs to the Council on Scientific Affairs. Dr. Gray is also an instructor at the L.D. Pankey and Dawson Institutes and nine universities. He's a graduate of the Pacific Aesthetic Continuum and the Pankey Continuum. Dentistry Today has honored Dr. Gray annually as one of America's top clinicians in continuing education since 2006, and he's been published in several journals, including the American Dental Association and the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. He is the longest tenured faculty member at Align Technology and has certified over 20,000 general practitioners in the Invisalign process since 2001. Dr. Gray is an Invisalign premier provider and maintains a full-time full fee-for-service practice in Washington, D.C. So without further delay, I'm going to turn the program over to Dr. Gray. Dr. Gray, you now have the floor. Thank you, David. I uh, appreciate it, and um, thank you for the, the wonderful introduction. Um, I, uh, I like to usually share that, that I don't think any of the, the stuff on the top of the uh, slide are, is of importance. Uh, it's really just the bottom one, the bottom line, as I like to say. Uh, I practice full-time. I, I teach usually on Fridays. Um, today, actually, I'm in my office, so teaching from my office. But uh, um, I like to consider myself a wet-fingered dentist and uh, like to share the things that work and don't work uh, with you as, as uh, you know, we progress through our journey in dentistry. And I generally like to feel that I almost always learn more than I can, can share uh, at, at each and every opportunity when, when there's a teaching uh, venue available. Um, with that, I, I just also want to share with you that I, I'm not employed by a, any dental company, uh, including Align Technology, and, and no one in my family is. I own no stock securities or interest in any, any dental company. Um, so I can pretty much speak my mind on what I like and don't like about the product. and. Um, Align's been wonderful about letting me share the things that work and don't work, and, and that's what I plan on doing today is just to kind of streamline things for you. Um, we do a lot of product eval in our practice, uh, so we're constantly looking at product um, either through one of the nonprofit clinical research groups or uh, independently or through um, one of the organizations like AGD or ADA or um, with the companies themselves. These are some of the ones that I've, I've been working with recently. Um, we don't accept free product. We we will use product and then return it, um, but uh, we don't uh, take anything free. And uh, if we have to buy it ourselves, we buy it and then uh, and then we'll keep it for part of our practice. 
the best way for us to be able to give a true evaluation of what we like and don't like. Um, I'm going to ask you to try something different uh, today. Um, this is this is really just a suggestion, and I think that this presentation will resonate with some folks. Um, may not fully interest some others, and, and really help hit home with a handful of you. Um, my goal today is to share my 16 years uh, plus of, of Invisalign experience, so that you can learn from my mistakes and end up with some excellent results. And I hope that each and every one of you find some pearls in this lecture, and are comfortable seeking more knowledge to better your practice your patients, and, and most importantly, yourselves. So if you get a chance, uh, I just want you to quiet your mind and um, just close your door and see if you can take the next 40 minutes to just focus on, on what we're going to share. Um, at the end of the lecture, uh, I've got uh, some resource slides that are available, and I'll be happy to answer questions, too, uh, if anyone has any other questions on, on where I developed uh, this treatment planning method and, and the materials that I used to help get there. Um, so. Uh, again, feel free to, to look at that and take it, and we're going to use that to, to help achieve our goal, which is really just to build a solid foundation for, for diagnosis and treatment planning. And we're using restorative treatment coupled with Invisalign. To accomplish that, I've really divided things into four different phases for us as far as my learning objectives are concerned. I want us to understand a patient's needs and wants before we begin treatment, and we'll talk about how I helped to accomplish that. We're going to look at potential restorative needs, and in particular at the consultation visit. And then we're going to build that comprehensive treatment plan. And that could be uh, as simple as some minor enamoplasty and uh, maybe a teeny bit of bonding. Uh, it may mean just equilibrating the bite when we're all done, all the way up to full complex reconstruction cases. The idea is I want us to look for those things that help to make a comprehensive treatment plan um, such a great foundation for us to have long-term success in dentistry. Finally, uh, lastly, I want to look at how to overlap. Um, this is something we started doing over a decade ago to help minimize our total treatment time. You know, probably if anything, um, it, it has kind of resonated in, in this new millennial modern age, it, it's time and, and how important that is. Um, that previous slide that I showed a couple slides ago about um, how I want you to quiet your mind, um, is really kind of the result of that and all the multitasking and stuff that we do. I feel like we do so much of it that we do a lot of things okay and very few things excellently. And our goal today is to, to do excellent stuff, um, to really do excellent, beautiful dentistry, and to really focus on being able to give our best to our patients. So with that, let's talk about how we typically start a new case. You know, we typically start a new case. This could be anything in dentistry. We're going to talk about just Invisalign. It's a little different than, than a slide you may have seen way back when we used to teach this as part of our certification. But in essence, you know, someone will ask. Either it's a patient or it's, or it's us. Um, and then we'll have a, a consultation. We'll talk about it. And then from there, we'll, we'll get some records. We'll develop a treatment plan and, and review it with the patient. And then and finally, we'll begin treatment. Well, the cool and interesting thing about Invisalign is that if this was a restorative type of appointment, um, you know, someone in, coming in for restorative, they come in, they, you know, we we talk about, oh yeah, your consultation would be, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you need a couple restorations, and then um, the records may mean just getting X-rays or already having those or whatever, and then reviewing it and verifying, oh, yeah, you need a couple restorations, and then setting up an appointment to begin treatment. Um, but with Invisalign, the, the difference is that you know we can sometimes combine and overlap this stuff, and it happens 
rather fluidly and seamlessly. Someone can ask uh, about Invisalign in our practice, and, and we'll do the consultation right there, either in hygiene, uh, we'll do it in restorative. If a patient's up at the front desk, we, we can talk about it there and, and literally have them come back to a chair for a minute, and we're all set. Now, one of the things that you can also do with Invisalign is take that a step further. You give records at the same visit. And um, you know, we say, okay, hey, you know what? We got some extra time. Um, if you don't mind, we'd like to you know, get out our, our iTero scanner and uh, we're going to take some photos and uh, we need to maybe update some x-rays. We're going to get a face bow in our office as well uh, and some other things. And we put all that together and say, okay, we'll get you back for, for your a treatment plan review, et cetera, uh, at some point, then we'll begin treatment. Uh, but we also can do that, of course, as you know. We can, uh, with Invisalign, we can have someone ask about it. We can do a consultation. We can get our records. And we can do the treatment plan review pretty much all in the same visit. And then say, hey, you know what? We'll see you back in you know, three weeks, uh, and we'll start treatment. And we'll go ahead and start your Invisalign. And we've had all the different scenarios that you've seen above there uh, in our office with Invisalign. We we actually would strive for having the one where we do all those things together because it saves time for the patient and that makes it a little bit easier. So when we talk about understanding a patient's needs and wants before beginning treatment, it falls back to that previous slide and all those different steps. Um, before we look into those and talk about those those different steps that we just saw, I want to stop and look at us again. Um, this is a promise uh, for those that are listening. This isn't going to be a, a kumbaya, um, you know, we're all going to hold crystals and sit around a campfire and sing type of thing. This is the only other slide I have that uh, is, is really kind of a new age slide. But I, I want us to take a moment and understand uh, what we call as uh, Aristotle's uh, cross of success or cross of happiness. Um, it involves four parts. It involves knowing yourself, knowing your work, knowing your patient, and then practicing what you know, practicing your knowledge. If we start at just knowing yourself. What this means is knowing exactly what you want to do and like to do in dentistry. You may love doing complex um, Invisalign cases, and you may not. You may like just doing some minor crowding. Uh, minor spacing type cases, but knowing yourself helps you to understand the second phase, which is knowing your work. Um, when we do something, we want to be able to do it to the best of our ability and offer the best possible treatment to our patients. That actually is part of the standard of care. If you're going to do minor tooth movement, you need to do even minor tooth movement to the same standard as the orthodontist down the street, which means we want to limit ourselves and grow through our practice um, from simple cases to more complex ones. The third part of our, our little cross here is, is knowing your patient. And this plays a huge role in uh, understanding what we want to accomplish with Invisalign. What does the patient want? What are they looking for as far as care is concerned? It takes time sometimes for us to get this information out. Um, we've all had cases where we've gotten near the end of treatment and the patient has said, wait, you know, I, I kind of liked that diastema, I wanted to have that, or uh, no, I, I like this tooth the way that it is, or gosh, I thought you were going to move these teeth this way, whatever it might be, um, we didn't get a chance to really know our patient. But if we take those three things, knowing ourselves, our work, and our patient, and put them all together and practice our knowledge, we're going to end up with something that's centered and balanced. We'll be right in the middle of that, and that, that helps to create that happiness. So when we talk about delving into our patient 
before we do that, we look inward and we think about what we can accomplish and what we want to accomplish. Then we look at the patient's motivating factors. There's a bunch of different motivating factors, um, ones that float around in my mind on a regular basis when I'm having a conversation with the patient are really pretty simple. Are they here for function? Are they here because their bite feels off or something feels weird? Are they here for aesthetics, which is the huge bulk of patients nowadays, that they're here for a cosmetic change, something that'll make them look better? Is money an issue? Are they here uh, because they they want to get uh, the best treatment at, at any cost or they want to spend as little as possible to get uh, the minimal to get by? Is time a factor? I would say that this is probably one of the biggest things. Patients nowadays, if you leave them sitting in a reception area for 10 minutes, they're looking at their watch. They stop looking at their phone for the after the first seven minutes and they start looking at their watch. Uh, and, and time makes a difference, not just you functioning and running on time, but also being able to minimize the amount of visits a patient has coming into your office by maximizing the amount of treatment that you can accomplish. Being comfortable is another one that patients, uh, I think, are often interested in, not having something that hurts. Um, the embarrassment of a bad smile is sometimes uh, an issue that gets patients to come in. Fear also, patients that are just... Um, fearful of the dentists themselves, and then ones that are interested in health. You know, I'm here because I want to be able to um, clean my teeth better. I want to be able to, uh, to have better breath. I want to be able to have my gums in better shape. So these are some of the motivating factors. I look at all these when I, when I consider uh, a case simple or complex, and I think about them. I just kind of run through them in my mind. I've got my own little mnemonic to remember them. But that helps me to have a conversation with the patient, which is what we're going to talk about next. That's something called co-discovery. Um, this is something that's hard for you to, to sometimes grasp if you're in a really, really busy setting. Uh, but co-discovery is, is different than just a normal exam. With co-discovery, what you want to do is review the conditions that the patient has um, generally out loud with an assistant calling out various status questions, asking certain things, and you responding and then writing this information down so that the patient can hear. With that, you often sometimes will even stop somewhere in the middle of treatment and, and share something with the patient. They were going through the amalgams, for instance, and the patient, you say, how do you feel about those uh, amalgams, Jane? You know, do they bother you? And, and the reason I, I want to know is that they're holding up. They're okay. They're they're a little broken down. They're going to have to be replaced at some point in the future. But if I'm going to be doing this aesthetic treatment, I'd like to know if you're considering changing them uh, because I can build it into the treatment plan at an early phase. And that may change the way I'm going to do my treatment. Um, Jane, in particular, is a, a wonderful example of a patient that uh, I like to share. She, I did her, her case back in 2001. It was uh, probably in my first dozen or so cases with Invisalign. And uh, Jane, we went ahead and did a beautiful job with her, her uh, simple uh, uh, Invisalign case. It was uh, uh, some spacing on the top and crowding on the bottom. And I, I use this term simple a little euphemistically because that, as you know, is a very challenging thing to have spaces on top and crowding on the bottom and to get things to match. But they matched up beautifully. Um, I had to do some IPR on the bottom. And when we were all done, um, Jane, who loved her smile and the function was perfect, I loved the way everything fit together, she said, um, 
hey, uh, you know, things look great. You know, you whiten my teeth. They're straight. They're beautiful. Can you replace these these two old fillings on the bottom? And I was like, sure, sure, we can, of course. Uh, and I looked at her mouth, and uh, it was number 21 MO and number 28 MO. And um, could easily place composites there, which we did. But it was when I looked at those that it hit me that I had just done a bunch of IPR. And a lot of it had been on the distal of the canines as opposed to on those old amalgams. And if I had had that conversation with her, I could have gone at those amalgams with the chainsaw, I like to say. I would have gone in there and taken all that stuff off of the amalgam because I easily could have put in a nice composite and recontoured it. So that became part of me looking at those those future treatment possible needs or wants that a patient could have and then exploring them through co-discovery, asking the patient, uh, if that was something that concerned them, and then together making a decision whether or not we want to include that in the overall treatment plan. So co-discovery, we'll have a couple slides on where you can get some good information about that, but if you start doing this, it'll change the way you practice. It'll really make a, a big, I think, difference in, in how things occur. So we're going to go from that into our uh, just looking at the potential restorative needs at the consultation visit, and the first thing, as we mentioned earlier, is to set aside the proper amount of time to be able to do that. Um, I'd like to say this could be easy or this could not be easy. Um, I'm going to take two very, very similar chief concerns, a patient chief complaint as we used to say, um, and because I, th I thought this was interesting. These patients, when I was looking at their chief concerns, were very similar. Barbara said, hey, my teeth are ugly, literally use the word, and I want you to do that Invisalign thing you did on my tennis partner. Said, sure, sure, we could definitely take care of that, Barbara for you. Been a long time patient. Uh, she's in mid 60s. Um, and this is what she came in with. She's got some crowding. She's got a deep, deep bite. Um, she's got some pretty big centrals here and, you know, proportionally smaller laterals um, compared to them. She's got a class two half cusp thing going on there and some old restorations. Now, for, for her, for Barb, we're going to go ahead and move through treatment and straighten out these teeth. It's a simple Invisalign case. And we can get things lined up get things looking good for her, and there you are. We're done. Um, now, there are a ton of things that bug me in this case. Uh, we got the teeth straight, which is what she wanted. We got some nice intrusion there, but those centrals are still way too big uh, compared to the laterals. Either they're too big or the laterals are too small. We still have the half cusp occlusion, which I was comfortable leaving. We've got a big inclination on these uh, canines, I mean, on these centrals, I'm sorry, I would love to have torqued and, and intruded these guys a lot more. This is prior to power ridges uh, being available for, for these cases. Um, we were actually experimenting with the power ridges at that time for getting really good palatal root torque on these guys. But nonetheless, this is what Barb wanted. And uh, when we were done, I had her bite balanced, nice and even. She was hitting perfectly. She was thrilled. Um, didn't care that these restorations didn't match. She had big old beat up amalgam. She knew she was going to end up replacing that one with the crown. She had a couple others that was going to become a crown. Um, but for now, this was it. She wanted to just do this. She was. They bought a new uh, vacation home up in New Hampshire, and uh, you know she wanted to just get the teeth looking good. She was thrilled with the with the result. And there she is, all done, bite nice and settled, everything even. Um, am I happy? I'm happy that she's happy. Um, but as far as kind of the overall case is concerned, 
we had everything dialed in for, and that that's what really counted. So this one's, in, in essence, an easy case. It's sometimes all we look at and all we do, but you've got the other. Um, the other situation, again, very, very similar chief concern. Uh, in this case, Jeff said, hey, I'd like prettier teeth. I want you to do what you did for my friend. You know, very similar to the tennis partner thing that, that Barbara said. Um, but she had a little bit more going on, you know, and as I stopped and took the time to really learn what she wanted to do, like most people, she doesn't have just a, a chief concern, but she's got secondary and tertiary concerns. And the more I asked, she said, oh, yeah, you know what? I don't like that tooth in the front. It's chipped. I broke it in college on a beer glass. Um, also, uh, I think my bite's off a little bit, Bri. Uh, you know, it's a, it's something that's kind of weird. It feels funny. Uh, it just kind of does feel like I could chew properly. And, um, uh, oh, I forgot to mention, I'm getting married in 11 months. Uh, can you have this all done beforehand? And, um, oh, I forgot to mention that right after we get married, we're moving to San Francisco. Uh, so digging in, spending that time changes how we look at a case like this. And here, here's Jess. She came in. We got all the records. Man, we've got we've got to really kind of fast track things for you to get you settled. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of trouble getting things that way. We can fix the chip tooth up front. We can straighten these guys up. I think your hygiene's going to improve tremendously when you've got a better looking smile. Uh, we'll fix the crossbite that you've got going on. But the first thing we're going to do after we got our models and, and mounted them, did got a face bow. Uh, and articulated her occlusion. You see the big crossbite on the left there. Uh, first thing we do in a situation like this is see if we can actually do a pre-Invisalign uh, equilibration. And, and you can see just by doing that that we're able to get the bite to come together less than a quarter millimeter of tooth adjustment to help accomplish this goal, to get a big vertical change here. So we did just a teeny bit to get the teeth to, sorry, to get the teeth to come together uh, in a much better fashion for her. Here we are closed down much better now. We've got a much more realistic chance of, of getting a nice result. We're going to go ahead and uh, start moving teeth with Invisalign. We get things to this stage. We're okay. We don't have the bite completely settled here at all, but we got things nice and straight on the top and the bottom. Uh, again, we're on a little bit of a time crunch, so we get things settled in a little bit more. Um, and now we're going to go ahead and replace that restorative up in the front there. That's how she finished up, and Jess was then on her way out. To, that's how she started. This is the day before she left for uh, San Francisco. Uh, she already uh, tied the knot in this picture. Uh, was just really thrilled with being able to, to change her smile, very happy with the, the result that we were able to give her. I found that by taking the time to uh, at the consultation and at initial visit when we were recording our, our information, doing co-discovery interview to really figure out what the patient wanted. Um, from there, I built a plan, and that's the next most important step is for us to have a plan ready. Um, you want to have a systematic way of asking your patient about what their concerns are and recording that information so that you can go ahead and have it available for you to refer back to. Um, if you've uh, listen to lectures of mine in the past, you know, I'm a big uh, fan of what was something I call my IQC, which is my Invisalign quick consult sheet. It's a chance for me to get informed consent with the patient. Um, gives me a chance to give them an estimated time. I usually add a bunch of extra time to it. And most importantly nowadays, it, it also gives me a chance to talk about what is included in treatment and what's a la carte because we're doing a lot of restorative now with our Invisalign cases. And if it's a little bit of simple bonding at the end, I include that in the fee. Uh, roll it into the case. If it's if it's bigger stuff, um, 
reconstructive in nature or a crown or something like that, obviously, um, then there's going to be an extra fee for that. We use our quick consult sheet to help get that. This is an old copy of mine over here on the bottom right-hand corner. Um, again, I'll, I'll refer you to where you can see a lecture on how I use that. Uh, but it helps me to build my plan. And, and once I've built my plan at that consultation visit, it now gives me a chance to go over the options that are available. Um, with the options, I want to sit down and talk about every single thing. And again, that, that's going to mean um, having the time to do it. But most importantly, I want to be able to talk about the things that I can do to help improve their health and maybe touch some of those buttons that they had discussed or we had, we had discussed earlier. Why was it the reason that they came in? Was it function, fear, embarrassment, time, money? Um, what was the thing that got them to come in the door to begin with? So with that in mind, I sometimes will circle back around to what are these motivating factors and talk about that as part of their options of what we're going to help accomplish. Um, I think probably the biggest thing that the dentists have struggled with and have difficulty with is, is being able to ask about what uh, they might be interested in as a patient or, or what they might want to accomplish. Um, sometimes we're just fearful of that, and we don't have to do it in a way that, that we're trying to sell something. Um, I just like to ask questions. How can I help you? What can I do for you? Have, has this tooth uh, ever bothered you, either the looks of it or the way it, it fits in your bite? Or does it cut your cheek? Um, do you have trouble keeping these bottom teeth clean? I noticed that there's some stain there. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And asking these open-ended questions and asking why. Uh, instead of I, instead of, hey, this is what I can do, but asking them why. Why are their teeth this way? And what have you thought about uh, doing something to fix it? Oftentimes, the patient will say, oh, gosh, I never even saw that or paid attention to it. Uh, but now that you point it out, it's something that I'd like to consider. From that, we now will build our, our, our treatment plan. And we're going to look at some cases in, in a bit here. We're going to talk about how when we look at a case, we think comprehensively in nature whether or not it's a simple or complex case. We do that by writing it down. I write down everything. It can be typed in. We're, we're digital and we have paper here in the office. So um, I like personally to, to write stuff down when I write lectures or whatever. I'd like to just ha hand write it. It's my way of doing it. Um, this is just a copy of my the front side of my strategic planning sheet uh, that, that we like to use. I can, and we have a digital copy of this. We can put it all in. My, my assistants like to put it in. While they're putting it in on the computer, I'll hand, hand write this. So I, I've got the notes in front of me. Uh, but it talks about all the different conditions for each and every tooth. And then from there, I'll go ahead and help to build my treatment plan. Once again, I'll write it down. This is a copy of the backside of that same sheet, the strategic treatment plan. And I get an idea of, of the patient's IQ and their motivation, their financial concerns. The boxes up top are just things that I check are these things that are going to be, play a role in the overall treatment. And then I build my treatment plan. Um, there's an entire lecture I've got on strategic treatment planning, but I can share with you in a nutshell uh, something that will help change your life as far as the dentist is concerned is if you strategic treatment plan and do it by starting with the end in mind. Every single case for me the final goal is a beautiful, healthy, functional smile. That's what I'm looking for. I look at every single patient, whether or not they've got a high IQ, low IQ, got a big wallet or small wallet or no wallet at all, I'm going to look at what I can do to give that person a beautiful, healthy, functional smile. And then all I do to get to where I'm at is work backwards. I'm here at the initial exam. 
I'm going to get records. I just start plugging stuff in uh, for my strategic treatment plan. This is just one way of doing it. There's lots of ways of doing it, but if you write down this stuff, it's going to give you the chance to be able to build something that will work well for you. That gives you the chance to make the decision. Simple or complex? What are we doing? Something simple or complex? Because if it's simple, then all we have to do is get records and get going. Right? If it's a simple Invisalign case, hey, you, I just want to crowd these, these bottom teeth, Brian. Can you do that? I'm like, oh, man, I can do that. And if it's going to take me eight or nine aligners, I'm going to possibly be able to use an Express 10 for this, or a, maybe it's a simple assist case or something like that. Um, all set to go. But if things start to unravel or change, like Jess's case did, then it's complex. And if that's the case, then we're going to have to get a full set of records. We're going to have to do thorough strategic treatment planning. And then we're going to have to get the consultations necessary, maybe with other specialists or team members, have a nice treatment plan review, then start the treatment. And that's probably the biggest difference is that this you can jump right into, and this you've got to take the time to be able to do it. I also want you to get paid for that time. It's something that you learn at, uh, at a lot of the institutes, Panky, uh, Dawson, and Spear in particular. This is just a, a kind of a typewritten copy of that same sheet that we can pull off our, our, uh, our computer, um, walking through the different steps for this one case here. Again, final result, beautiful, healthy, functional smile. Information here, uh, that's all the, the diagnostic data that we got gathered. This is the treatment planning on this side, on the right side. So let's take that and look at just this fourth step, and that's uh, how to overlap these phases, minimizing our treatment. We first have to um, think about what the expected end result is. Are we going to be working with specialists? And what do we actually want to accomplish, and can we do that simultaneously? If we kind of take those things and put them together, we can then kind of stack. And, and what we'll do now is we're going to look at some cases. we kind of go through, we'll look at some cases, and we'll start with some simpler cases and just work up to something that's going to be a little bit more complex for us. Emily's a 26-year-old female. She's in good health. Um, she's got crooked teeth. That's her big concern. I, please fix my crooked teeth. She's got some pretty severe crowding. Uh, she had a challenging class two half cut. Occlusion conversation with her. We spent some time talking about it, and the reason is she's, she's hoping to get pregnant uh, soon. She wants to get going soon. She doesn't want uh, this to turn into a two-year case, which is what I said it would take to be able to fix the. the class two. She also has got what she, she calls her dark cavities, the gum line. They're, they're class five infraction lesions um, that have some stain in them. Um, and you can see, here's the lesions. You can see just from her bite that, uh, that she, uh, she said she's all jacked up. Um, and, and she certainly is. She's got some uh, impacted thirds down here as well that um, uh, could be an issue at some point down the road. But here's Emily. Here's just a, a quick picture of her. You can see the bottom arch Ain't so bad, man. It's pretty straight. Um, top arch is the one that's giving us the trouble, and there's there's just a lot of room here. There's a lot of space um, as far as her overjet is concerned. So we're going to leave this class two in her case, and we're going to go ahead and straighten out her bite for her. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of accelerated ortho in this case uh, to try and get her done before uh, she gets pregnant. Um, but that wasn't the case. She actually got pregnant in the middle of treatment. Um, our treatment sequence is going to be just to get the Invisalign going, accelerate the case, take care of the class 5 restorations, the fraction lesions. <clears throat> and we'll do that near the end of the uh, aligners, uh, typically while I'm waiting for refinement because I've got things pretty straightened out the way I want to. Then we'll go ahead and equilibrate and just retrain. So here we are straightening out her bite. 
Um, we're going to go ahead and accelerate. Uh, in this case, use one of the acceleratory methods to help speed things up, especially because we had I knew we'd have them, and there they were. Um, probably all of all the different attachments that are available, the um, um, triangular ones on the on the canines, which we call the vampire fangs, are, are the most hideous. Um, they just they stick out, but they're the smallest uh, low-profile attachment that's available in an optimized fashion to be able to help them, uh, move these guys with a, a good multiplanar movement. Uh, you'll notice that if it's a smaller movement, lesser degrees, sometimes they'll put the Gemini, the, the two little twin attachments on that look like little lemon wedges. Uh, for certain cases, but otherwise, you have to have these guys to be able to get the teeth moved around in the right position. They've got just long roots on them, um, and that was another uh, motivating factor for her to go ahead and get done. So, uh, we actually got done with the first set of aligners. We knew we were going to have refinement for her, uh, but she had a little baby break, took three months off, and we kind of jumped back in, go regular with the initial aligners, and we we go ahead and we. Uh, accelerate after that but here we were um, getting things all done for her. we're going to go ahead and adjust her bites this is her CO her centric occlusion uh, we do a little bit of equilibration and uh, this is where we end up with her bite at the end it's pretty nice I got her into a little bit better of a class one but great great um, function on both sides nice and stable all the way around um, she was just thrilled with how it looks uh, with her end result, we're able to kind of get everything in, give her a really pretty smile. Um, very, very super conservative uh, composites here, uh, it, just to help fill in those little infraction lesions. Um, very, very super conservative. Uh, we talked about doing uh, some soft tissue recontouring to get the heights better um, and have her actually see my periodontist and get a little graph there where she had some recession at the very start. You can see it in this picture. Uh, she was comfortable with it at that point. She actually is pregnant with her second kid at this point, so we may do that at some point down the road. Uh, but nice, simple, easy case, and part of it was we just looked forward and said, okay, these are the things that are going to occur, and these are the steps we'll want to take to help accomplish it. Uh, Moore is my, our next case. Uh, Moore is 56-year-old female in great health. Uh, she's my sister. She's coming in from the Midwest outside Chicago. Um, I got the, came from a big Irish Catholic family, uh, three brothers, three sisters, uh, seven kids total. Moore is the oldest girl and um, one of the probably most grounded people I've ever met. They've got um, two different vacation homes, uh, but she loves working the night shift at um, – at Trader Joe's because she just loves the people there and uh, that's not have to do that but that's what she loves to do. Um, she, uh, I see her at functions, I talk with her all the time but the last time I actually looked in her mouth was for my board exam when I did a class to amalgam on her uh, and flew her out to Georgetown way back when. Um, she came, she called because she had broken a tooth. She's got a bunch of other stuff going on. Um, here she is uh, and you can see here's the broken tooth number five. Um, and big old amalgams that's broken there. Number two is broken in the back. She's got a failing composite over here, a bunch of other failing old restorations. Now, with Mora, the, the thing that we know off the bat is that um, uh, she she doesn't have to worry about treatment because she's got a brother who's a dentist, so I can help make an ideal treatment plan for her and uh, put things together. Um, and we've got a willing participant who's got great hygiene. She just you know, had some old fellows that kind of wore out. Uh, we talked about that. One of the things I'll actually share with patients when I have this type of situation, and in particular, tooth that breaks, I say, uh, hey, this tooth, this silver filling turned into a wedge and, and kind of split that tooth because it just expanded over time and it, and it and literally wore out. Now, now, here's the deal. These fillings were all put in around the same time. 
and they all start to fail around the same time. So it took, you know, two or three years to, for these fillings to all get put in your mouth probably, and over the next few years you're going to have these things failing kind of one after another. This is a great chance for us to be proactive instead of reactive. So instead of waiting for these things to keep breaking, let's go ahead and fix your mouth up. That's my normal conversation more as a <clears throat> my sister, so it's easy for me to say, hey, this is what we're doing, and um, we're going to get her fixed up. But the treatment sequence is going to have another little wrench thrown in it, and that's that she's only going to be able to come you know, probably every two and a half months is about average. And we're going to have to work in our provisionalization. We're going to have an endoconsult and endodontics for somebody's teeth that are not in good shape. We're going to do what I call Category 3 restorative. Uh, we have three stages, three phases of, cat, of uh, three categories of rest, restorative treatment when we're doing Invisalign. Category one is stuff that we do before treatment. Category two is what we do after. Category three is what we'd like to do after, but we have to do before because the tooth is breaking down. Uh, there's decay or failing filling or something, so we're going to do long-term provisionalization in situations like that. So we just say category three so we know where we're at, and we're going to go ahead and get that all done, and we'll do final resto after the Invisalign, then we'll equilibrate and retain. Um, this is an interesting thing. You all have patients like this, and they also are just generally want to do this. They don't want to come in as often. Um, we were kind of exposed to this uh, early on here in D.C. We've got a number of patients that are diplomats or um, you know foreign service people, and they're they're out of town. They can they pop back in on a quarterly basis, oftentimes. So building their treatment plan to accommodate that schedule. Um, used to be something difficult. It now is routine. We literally ask that question when they come in the office. So with Mora, we're going to go ahead and get started, and, and you get to see something real funny here, kind of interesting. Mora's really numb on the left side um, because we went ahead and, you know, we jumped right into treatment. You can see she had an endo here on this tooth. These are core buildups. It's with the classic old core paste uh, material. I use a bunch of different core materials, but um, when I use the core paste in a situation like this, it tells me that I know I'm going to be placing a crown or uh, some sort of um, uh, you know, fixed, uh, permanent fixed restoration uh, in there, generally indirect. Um, so I know where I'm going to be doing these guys uh, ahead of time, and I can put this core paste in. It's super strong. helps to bond the walls together and lasts a long time. Again, we use a, a number of different materials, but I see the white, and I know right away what's going on. Now, we went ahead and actually started the Invisalign, started moving the teeth, straightening them out, and over the course of her visits, uh, just knocked out quadrants at a time, provisionalizing using the uh, aligners so that I could literally put in um, temps that would match what she had in her mouth. Now, if they were, uh, if we'd already accomplished the movement or there was no movement, we could split them together. If it, there was some movement, there would be individual crowns and we'd be able to, to work with individual crowns as if they were individual teeth. So here she is anesthetized. We're going ahead and straightening her teeth and we're, we're uh, going to go ahead and take care of restorative and we're going to whiten her as we go along and, and she can see things are kind of coming together nice. I'm expecting that she's going to be able to get up some more white with the, the bleaching uh, here on the sides. You can see here we are checking with occlusion. And, and here we are. Uh, I think we've got more just about done. I think this is actually when she's done. Um, nice restorative treatment up on top. Um, we can see we got good restorative on the bottom. She use a little bit more bleaching down there on the bottom, but we got everything kind of lined up and uh, turned out really nice. And we did this again by seeing her typically about every 10 weeks uh, to, to every three months as we went through treatment. So building that stuff in was what allowed us to be able to accomplish that. In her case, the thing was her availability, which kind of falls into that time factor. Um, 
Suzanne is a, another kind of great case for us to take a peek at. 65-year-old uh, female, good health. Her husband had a long protracted illness, um, and uh, she took care of him for years. He, he passed away. Uh, she raised the kids in the meantime. She ended up working part-time. She took care of the kids. She just patched around. She came in for cleanings for us and uh, didn't even do a good job with, uh, with that. But uh, it was really, really good circumstances. When she came in after... Uh, she kind of got her life back in order. She said, you know, I'm, I'm defeated, Brian. I'm just defeated. Um, I just don't like the way my mouth looks. Um, and, you know, I'm finally able to spend a little bit of time on myself. You know, can you help, basically? And I was like, I'd love to be able to help. Um, so this is this is Suzanne. Uh, we uh, She had a, I think a busted tooth up there. We put a provisional bridge in to just hold things in place. Uh, for in that picture there, um, endo on that tooth. You can see there's there's decay actually and old restorations on the inside of all these uppers. Um, on the bottom, not too bad. She's crowded. Um, she had a couple of crowns there and uh, like some old restorations, chipping and wear on the teeth. But um, when we take a peek at the next pictures, we'll see something interesting. So these are, by the way, uh, these are Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. Um, photos. I'm not allowed to alter them. They're raw images, so you can't touch them. So they're, they, um, you're not going to see them cropped or anything. But for, you get a little bit better idea what's going on, in particular the step occlusion, which is what I wanted you to be able to see. Um, we know that we've got a lot of restorative work up top. It's going to turn into, in essence, a reconstructive uh, type treatment. On the bottom, not nearly as bad. This is going uh, uh, to take care of a lot of her finances, the, the combination of this. So our goal is going to be to go ahead and restore this upper arch, uh, give her something that's going to look real pretty, um, do it as best we can, uh, trying to keep the budget in line, uh, but use our Invisalign to go ahead and, and intrude these anterior teeth, get rid of this step occlusion, help to line up this, this severe crowding that we have um, into something that's more, uh, I think, acceptable aesthetically, but also functionally, because this, this, she was just basically putting these guys onto her palate there. Um, these are just some close-ups of the teeth themselves. She's got a lot of translucence just from severe wear on the lingual, and there's patched bonding and stain and failed old composites. And you can see some even some hypocalcific stain. But look at this gum tissue. It's really, really nice. She's in good shape with the gum tissue. That's something that gives us uh, some hope that we can get things fixed up for last views that we're just looking at here for, for Suzanne. And now we're going to go ahead and build our, our treatment sequence. And that's going to be first to just get carries control. Again, that's going to be category one restorative. We'll get some records. And then we're going to go ahead and work up our Invisalign. We're going to use our, our, our ClinCheck final SLA model as our guide for our reconstructive wax up. The reason I do this and the reason I love doing this and I love Invisalign is that I literally can go ahead and set up my case. And if I follow the rules, I can now make my reconstruction to where I should end up with my final restorative, my final uh, orthodontic movement. In this case, we're going to move those bottom teeth. We're going to correct that, that step deep bite, and uh, we're going to go ahead and get those guys intruded in something that's going to be straight and look good. And we're going to take our upper final result of our, um, of our ClinCheck and use that as our initial guide for waxing up for our reconstruction. We're going to build into there our, our full mouth endodontic consult. We always do that whenever we have a reconstructive case because we want to be able to see that we don't um, 
uh, have any teeth that are going to blow up on us. In the meantime, if you haven't done this, I think this is one of the best things you can do is work with your endodontic specialist to have them do a full or her, or her do a full uh, comprehensive endodontic consultation prior to even lifting your first handpiece for the first tooth and find out what is good, what's not, and what sits on the fence. Um, it gives us a chance to jump into this, which is to, to do our overlapping with our Category 3 restorative, our long-term provisionalization, which will kind of work into near the end of treatment. When we're about three months away from being done with the lower arch treatment in this case, we're going to go ahead and, and start our maxillary uh, reconstruction. In this case, there wasn't any perio that was really necessary. She had a couple little things that were going on. We'll go ahead and do some final cooperation and some retention when we're all done. Um, and here's here's where she started. So this is um, uh, Suzanne, and, and actually I take that back. I remember the bridge uh, that we saw a provisional bridge on earlier. That was because this guy had decay and was failing. Um, and here we are. There's that provisional bridge. We're going to go ahead and move the teeth now. We're just going to not move those three. Obviously, we'll get things all straightened up here. Jump this crossbite. Start with some intrusion. Get her teeth cleaned up. Uh, as we progress and move her through treatment, we're going to treat the both arches, top and bottom. You can see there's that little triangular attachment, optimized attachment to help rotate in that canine number 11, uh, and line it up with the lower arch, help to correct that uh, that uh, edge to edge bite. So as we bring the teeth in and line them up, and now get some some good intrusion here, we're going to be able to go ahead and do the restorative up on top. And uh, that's pretty much what we do. We go ahead and do our final Category 3 stuff, replace any uh, decay, go ahead and place our final restorations. We didn't need to do anything on, uh, on that second molar there. Um, this is how uh, Suzanne finished up. Um, we got the bottom teeth still working. We're still moving those bottom teeth as part of our plant treatment plan because we overlap treatment. We're going to move this guy in, finish our rotations there, line things up. We knew it would take longer because we didn't have as much anchorage in the back with second molars, but we have enough to be able to line this arch up and make things look pretty, matching it to this final. Um, and here's kind of the interesting part. You'll see we still have this depth occlusion. We're still going to push these guys down. Um, as we're wrapping up. Um, she's in provisional uh, cement up on the top at this point. Uh, we've got beautiful lifelike porcelain, so we're able to kind of get this moved along. Um, and here she is, just checking out her lip line and overall contours. And here she is when she, we finished up in final uh, in this line picture. I've uh, got nice restorative up on the top, lined up the bottom teeth, got that almost flat to where we want to. Um, I'd love to have a little bit more, uh, but uh, she was very satisfied with it. Uh, we talked about possibly doing some bonding down here uh, at some point in the future. She just needed a little break from dentistry. Um, I wish I could have gotten that guy rotated a little bit more, but she was, again, very, very happy with how it turned out. Much better bite. We helped to eliminate that stepped occlusion, give her a really nice solid bite in the posterior segment, so she was able to function well. Um, and we did that by overlapping uh, the treatment, stacking one thing on top of the other. Share a couple other cases with you. Uh, this case I, I love to share with people. Uh, this was a case that we used to have in our early certifications. It's August. Uh, August, a 36-year-old male in great health. Uh, his chief concern is that uh, my teeth are stained and crooked. He literally said, I, I feel and look like Howdy Doody. It was a, a character from TV back in the 50s and 60s. Um, he's a high-powered attorney in D.C., uh, works for Federal Trade Commission, really wonderful guy, just salt of the earth. 
uh, class one occlusion, moderate crowding. Uh, he's got some uh, apical root resorption, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, possibly some ankylosed teeth and a lower splinted lingual retainer that's not serving any purpose. It's busted off on a couple of tons of stain, extrinsic and intrinsic, um, and hypocalcification from previous ortho, which is what we don't see ever with Invisalign. One of the nice things is not having that. So here's August. Again, you may have seen these pictures before. I literally took this slide right out of the old lecture. As you can see we've got the, the photos turned around here. Uh, but this is uh, this is how he looked. He's got class one occlusion. You can see uh, this hypocalcific stuff. You can see the teeth are all out of alignment here. Um, lower lingual bar here. Uh, it's a wire, um, and it's busted off. And so the canines have even moved. Lots of stain. Old restorations. Um, but this is the concern up top. This is his concern, and it becomes my concern immediately when I take an X-ray because I notice that there's very very short roots. How short? Well, like nothing. Um, yeah, you can see these are previously treated root canals. There's tremendous internal resorption here, um, virtually nothing holding on to that tooth. This one's stubbed out, uh, and same with this guy here. Um, our record, and so we sh I showed, hey, it's like, hey, August, you're, you're getting a couple implants there. And he said, I understand that. He said, can we just keep them for as long as possible? I said, yeah, sure, let's, let's do what we can. They may come out in the middle of treatment, but I'm going to build my treatment sequence now with strategic planning in mind, and part of that strategic planning will be to move those guys as little as possible. Um, so I'll do my other movement around those anterior teeth. I'm going to do my best to line them up and not have them come out. Uh, but our goal is going to be to, uh, to uh, locate the IPR, to redistribute the IPR, in his case, on the top, to around those front teeth so that I don't have to move them as much. And then what we'll do is we'll uh, overlap any endodontic treatment, which we're going to definitely have because we're going to retreat those guys uh, with some MTA to see if we can hang on to them, reduce some whitening and minor restorative, and possibly some soft tissue recontouring before we will equilibrate and do our retention. So here's our CBCT uh, taken by my good friend, Dr. Peruzia. You can see there's nothing here except uh, it almost looks like one of those um, hurricane lamps with a little candle in the middle. There's there's just big space around them all the way around. They're hopeless, and uh, he's aware of it. We're going to do our best to hang on to them. Uh, so this puts a whole new perspective when you get to see these photos uh, with this case. Uh, we go ahead and have Piru's opens them up, my endodontist opens them up, cleans them out meticulously and goes ahead and again uses mineral trioxide aggregate to, to fill them and get a nice solid fill and we're going to hang on to them as best as we can for as long as possible. Here's some attachments, we're moving these guys gently, uh, you can see things are tracking well. We go ahead and get the teeth lined up, uh, we're really happy, our midline's off a little bit, uh, I'm not as concerned about top bottom midlines. As long as I've got good function and stability, he's got both. Um, still has severe hypocalcific staining from the previous ortho, and typically, as a teenager, not keeping the teeth as clean as he could. These guys are yellow here, um, number seven and nine, from um, that uh, the internal resorption and just the calcification that occurred. Uh, here's what he looked like when <clears throat> we had everything all done for him. And this is as far as I'm going to move this guy. I can see that, you know, I'd love to get some more buckle torque on this guy, uh, but we're not going to uh, want to touch that. We're going to leave him the way he is. We like the way his bite is. 
Uh, let's see if we can get rid of some of the extrinsic stain. To do that, we're going to use some opaluster. This is from Alterdent. It's uh, basically a really strong pumice with an acid base in it. And uh, you protect the gums, and you go ahead and you pumice the teeth with it, and it'll take away some superficial stain. Uh, it's this purple slurry type stuff. And we got to protect everything again, rinse it off, and you see our final result. Okay, not really that much better. Uh, we got rid of some of those spots. Now we're going to go ahead and get some internal bleaching. In this case, we're going to go ahead and use some sodium perborate and superoxal. This is the old-fashioned stuff. I still like this. It's just a you know a really super strong hydrogen peroxide. Very caustic. You got to be very careful with it. Uh, we go ahead and just pack a little bit inside these canals with a little pellet. You must protect the um, the uh, subjacent uh, pulpal areas. So we seal that floor with a glass ionomer, and then we just go ahead and kind of cook those guys for as best as we can. Get them a little bit wider, do a little bit of teeny touch-up bonding in a couple spots, and uh, that's how we ended up. Um, again, stacking the treatment on top of one another to help accomplish our goal gave us the ability to do this, save him time, and end up with something that uh, was fairly seamless. So, um, again, uh, here's here's how he looked when we were all done. Uh, this is a the teeth, this is a five years out for uh, August, so you can see he had some resorption there, but those guys are still hanging in there, um, and he still has those teeth. Uh, we're going to keep him for as long as we possibly can. Uh, it's five years longer than we thought we'd have him, uh, and he's thrilled with that. Uh, he's also thrilled with the fact that he kind of went from that howdy-doody smile to, to something that uh, gives him much more confidence. Uh, he's been an absolute fantastic a referral source for us and uh, um, says it just has really changed his outlook on life and we're again thrilled with what we're able to accomplish with blending all that in so you know I think a big change from from where he where he started to where he ended up um, again part of this whole thing was to be able to treatment plan and stack the treatment one on top of another to be able to come up with something that was seamless for him we kind of finish up here with Justin um, Justin's a, another great case where we can kind of do some stacking and uh, we're going to do some overlap to help accomplish our goal um, he's a 37-year-old male, good health. He's in financial industry, and uh, he's coming in because he's got bad odor around his bridges. He's got some bridges up front. They're uh, mixed Maryland bridges. Um, they are 6, 7, 8, and a 9, 10, 11. Um, 6 is a wing, and 11 is a wing on the pot, on the uh, canines. Um, 7 is a pontic. It's a missing, generally missing tooth. And then 8 and 9 are full coverage uh, crowns. Um, he's interested in implants and, and would love to accelerate treatment. Um, like a lot of cases, I like to take pictures on, at every visit. Um, it's a, kind of a pain in the ass, but it's a, it's a fun thing to do because uh, you can really track where you're at. And we're going to do that for, for Justin here. We're going to just kind of zip through his pictures. You take a look on the bottom, there's not a whole lot going on here, right? Um, you know, and, and this would normally look at a case like this. It wouldn't even have Invisalign register on my, on my uh, radar for something like this. Bridges are loose both at the at the wing at this point and um, underneath, uh, which <laughs> has some decay. Um, so we're going to go ahead and want to, um, in essence, just replace these and potentially put in implants. Well, there's a couple issues. One, he's got no bone here. You can see it's saddled out uh, at 7 and 10, so we know he's going to have to get a graft there. Uh, but worse is this, which you can't really see here, but you can see up here. So he's got convergent roots. Um, you can look and see here's the, the central, here's the canine, here's the central, here's the canine. There's no way you're putting an implant in there. And in the old days, we'd say there's 
no way. You're putting an implant in there. We won't do it. And uh, I said, hey, you know what? Um, I'd like to try something with you, Justin. I want to try something interesting. Uh, I understand that, that you'd like to move treatment along as best as possible, but I'd, I'd like to see if we can go ahead and um, make this so we can't put implants in. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to use uh, this Invisalign tooth uh, moving system to straighten these roots out. This is a challenge. This is like trying to straighten out the part of a fence post that's in the ground, in the concrete, um, not the top part of the fence post that's in the air. So we want to move that, not that. And um, here we go. Again, we do close up of those pictures. You can see uh, how little that room is there, how little the space is. Um, so we're going we're gonna to make a really cool plan for him. Uh, he's excited about giving this a try. First thing we're going to do is make some space here between 8 and 9. So these are three... Uh, unit bridges they're separated there's already a space here but we need to make a bigger space and we're going to make a we're going to separate the wing off on the um, on the canine and make this into a cantilever pontic on both these teeth here so we're making this into a cantilever um, we leave the wing on both uh, 6 and 11 on the canines on the lingual because I don't want those bottom teeth to move I want to just hold that um, if there's decay which there was on one of them we pop it off and we go ahead and treat the decay and rebuild the, the composite back up as if it's too thick as if there's a wing there so here we're using the uh, this is a little ortho strip uh, that we use to just uh, vibrate between there it's an oscillating thing really great little thing it gives us a little bit of space here we are, um, and we're now going to be able to move these teeth. Now, here's the cool thing that I wanted to try and wanted to share with you. I was like, well, let's not just straighten out those roots, but let's take advantage of these cantilever pontics and help to create an ovate pontic space. And the way that we're going to do that is we're going to rotate these guys, and by rotating these guys in, we will drive this pontic into the gum and help to create Thing and prior to our implants. Uh, Justin was a game for that. Now, also, we want at the same time uh, rotate out the uh, torque out the the uh, canine. So we're going to go ahead and and you know move those roots back to make space for those those um, implants that we're looking to place. Um, this is the ClinCheck. I'm going to just go ahead and play this through for you. We had actually uh, three ClinCheck's. This is number two. Um, so we got a little separation here, and here's our goal. We're going to Go ahead and line up those bottoms, but look at what we're doing up top here. I know you're saying, well, this is crazy, Brian. Remember, what I'm really doing is straightening these roots to how they should be. This is the amount of space, 0.6 millimeters, that we should have on the side at the end there. Um, and this is uh, how it is working in action here. So typically the aligners would go to, from fitting to a stage where they wouldn't fit when we uh, start to lose traction as we were pushing this up. We found that one of the things that was interesting was we could only push so hard with the uh, pontics before we start to lose traction, tracking on the on the centrals, driving those guys in. But we were able to get the start of some really, really nice cuffing and buildup of the tissue to help create that ovate pontic space that we are so desperately wanting to, to have for our, uh, for our implant placement. Uh, his treatment sequence is going to be Invisalign. We're going to accelerate that. We're going to do some grafting at those sites, and we're going to use that grafting as one of our acceleratory phases. Uh, that's going to be what we call the rankle uh, technique. Um, we're going to then uh, place the implants about five months prior to finish. Normally I do it about three, but in this area with the softer bone up top and the fact that we grafted, we're going to want those guys to sit and cook for a little bit longer. So we're going to go ahead and... Um, 
place those implants and have them stay in longer. Um, backing up, uh, I'll just, just to re remind you, I'll show you the pictures. Remember that we are moving, um, in this case, 9 and 10 and 8 and 7 as units. In other words, the pontic has to move, the cantilever pontic has to move in unison with the tooth next to it. It can't be individual, it's got to move in unison. That's how we're driving it down into the tissue to create the ovate pontic space um, so that we can do our final restorations, which will um, be implant crowns on 7 and 10, the laterals. We're going to put some nice Emacs on 8 and 9, and we'll just do some bonding on the, the lingual of those canines, which uh, were in pretty good shape. We'll collaborate and retain when we're all done. Um, here we are, just kind of getting started. This is the initial pictures for um, for Justin. And uh, again, our, our goal is to move these guys as a unit, um, the lateral with each central. Here we are making our gap. What we do is to keep the gap from being too big, we We'd have them come in, and every once in a while, we'd just go ahead and add to that gap. So we'd go ahead and you see the gap appear, and then it disappears. Again, also making sure that I wasn't going to get hang up, hung up on the canine. One of the things that we've, we've learned from uh, Dr. David Gates, one of the most wonderful lectures on Invisalign, is that you need to have space. You have to have space to be able to accomplish this. You need proper force and proper space. So I'm going to make sure I've got space on the distal where I'm driving that cantilever in. And then right here on the central, we're going to make a V out of this. Our goal is to make a V as we as we torque those roots towards the midline on those two central incisors. Here we are with the aligners in place. And again, we're just going through in the middle of treatment. I'll use different discs and strips to help make sure I've got enough room to help accomplish our goal with uh, Justin. And there we are just working things away. <clears throat> this is after his grafting. You can see we've pumped up and done the grafting here. Uh, did this with uh, R.W. Emery, uh, permanent uh, oral surgeon in town. And what we did was, uh, in essence, a Wilco technique. Um, we um, uh, went ahead and uh, created inflammation in this entire premaxilla anterior region um, so that we could speed up. And we were changing trays on a very, very fast basis. I'm not going to say how fast, uh, but a very fast basis here. Um, to help move these guys because uh, we're following the acceleratory phenomenon to help accomplish our goal, and that's called RAP, Regional Accelerotory Phenomenon. Um, now we're uh, at the end of that. We're going to just kind of finish tweaking these guys, lining them up, getting them straight. We did a little bit on the bottom. You see the gap again developing as we keep driving those roots towards each other and driving the canines away. And... That's a great view up top there of that little V as we, we see our success. Um, wasn't happy with it, but we were able to get enough space to put our implants in, which was the next step. So we got some implants in there, got them in provisional as we just get things done. These are bulky and ugly, um, but we had to get something in there while we let everything heal. Um, there we are at our final stage. Uh, so we got a little bit of bonding on the linguals of the canines. We've got individual implant crowns on seven and 10. And we've got uh, some Emacs crowns on eight and nine. Did some whitening on the bottom as well, and the posterior teeth on the top. Um, these are I think these are not ACD pictures, just some regular pictures that we took uh, JPEGs of the teeth um, at the placement. Uh, we're still looking at some initial healing. We expect those papilla to come down and fill the space. He's got wonderful hygiene. Been a fantastic patient for us, um, and that's uh, that's how Justin finished up. Um, I want to thank you for spending some time with me today, and I'm going to just share with you. I got four slides here uh, that you can you get copies of either from your territory manager or um, uh, just by going to the archived edition of this. Um, just some some things I talked about. If you're interested in a consult sheet and strategic planning sheets and overlapping treatment, um, I'd like to direct you to a lecture that I did in 2013. Um, if you 
Hang on. I don't know what happened there. Uh, jump down here. Sorry about that. Um, if you're interested in uh, co-discovery, um, uh, there's some great articles on it, including one by Bill Lockard. It's actually a book called uh, The Exceptional Dental, pra Dental Practice, Why Good Enough Isn't Good Enough Anymore. Uh, but there's a lot of great things. Uh, if I were to direct you to a great place to learn about co-discovery, I'd suggest the Panky Institute in Key Biscayne, Florida. Um, if you want to look at how to analyze your ClinChecks a little bit more efficiently and you develop a punch list, there's a nice SC expert I did back in 2011. And then finally, um, taking those pieces and putting them all together uh, with tips and techniques on how to finish your cases. I, I did a uh, lecture back in, uh, at the summit last year that uh, uh, kind of put all those little pieces together and talks about strategic planning. Um, with that, um, I just want to share one last thing with you. I think this is probably the most important uh, thing that I could share with you from our lecture today. This is uh, from U.S. News and World Report. Um, this is the best jobs uh, issue. And um, um, I just want to share kind of where we're at. Um, we are like in the catbird seat. We are in the best spot in the world. Um, of the 100 best jobs, the top five, we have two. The best paying jobs, we have two. In healthcare, we have two, and in healthcare support for our team members, we have one, and we have actually the others are just right behind this. Um, what does that mean? That means that there's 20, 20 possible jobs here, and we own seven of them. Dentistry owns one third of the top jobs in the world. Um, that's why, as far as kind of this all being magic, it's not, man. We all own a magic hat. Um, we all have the ability to do this if we follow the rules and if we share our time with our patients and we, I think, help to develop those treatment plans, they're going to be able to service them as best as possible. That's what gives us the reward that, that we really like. Um, with that, uh, I want to thank you, and I'm going to put the last slide up, which is just about your CE. Quick reminders, please go to the link that's on your screen right now to take your survey and get your CE certificate. One week from today, the entire program will be archived at the Education tab on your Design Doctor site. I want to thank Dr. Gray for a great presentation and for all of you for taking time out on your Friday to join us. We look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Expert webinar. Thanks very much.